trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table Again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people Working on important issues Here in Columbus and all around Ohio I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with two local women farmers in transition, Kate Hodges of Foraged and Sown Organic Farm and Katie Hawkins of Happy Toes Homestead. Both women got started as urban farmers. One is certified organic, and the other is in the transition to organic certification. In the first half, we have Kate Hodges here in the studio, and in the second half, we'll talk with Katie Hawkins, a brand new mom from her home. Kate Hodges has farmed two certified organic acres of herbs, vegetables, and berries on multiple growing sites around central Ohio since 2015. From her website, we are first-generation female farmers committed to environmentally and socially just practices. Kate Hodges, the flavor finder of Foraged and Sown, has been gardening her whole life and foraging for most of it, much of it. She finds herself enamored equally with cultivated and wild flowers. As a farmer, you'll find her building perennial systems and carefully harvesting to ensure plant vigor. As a forager, you'll find her traversing different terrains in search of greens, berries, nuts, and roots. Welcome, Kate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here on Grassroot Ohio. So please tell us about your farm. It's foraged and sown. Yes, yes. We are certified organic. We primarily grow herbs and specialty berries, as you noted. Um, Those berries include things that are less common to find in grocery stores or from other growers, like currants and gooseberries and black raspberries. And of course, the season for those berries is pretty short. The rest of the year, we spend our attention and focus on on herbs. And those follow the whole range of herbs from culinary herbs um, all the way to specialty tea herbs. And then when the weather starts to get cooler, we focus all of our attention on our value-added products, which include herbal teas, um, seasoning blends that include sea salt and the herbs that we grow, and fruit preserves, and then saffron. Yes, very interesting. Um, I would like to know that you are located, is your farm located in Columbus proper, and is that considered an urban farm? The farm is, the farm business is based in Columbus. I'm going to sneeze. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Bless you, bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I said that, I won't. Um, The farm business is located in Columbus proper, inside of the city limits. Some of our growing sites um, fall outside of the city of Columbus, but still in Franklin County in Clinton Township. And then our newest growing site is in Madison County, actually, in West Jefferson, um, in that area between West Jefferson and London. So uh, are you solo, or do you have other people that you work with? Uh, right now, I'm solo. Um, I had a business partner, Rachel Taze, who a lot of folks in the local foods community know. Um, she's now working for OFA for the organic certifier that certifies the farm, actually. Uh-huh. And um, she's doing educational programming for beginning farmers like uh, like I am still. And um, with her departure, I hired our, first, our farm's first um, part-time employee. 
um, who was also a first-generation woman in farming. And that goes um, into the next question I have. I'm really interested in how it is as a woman business owner and being a woman farmer. Um, what are the advantages and what are the challenges? There are practical challenges that um, are probably the, the biggest factors that, that pose a challenge. Um, like outdoor workwear for women <laughs> is harder to find. Mm -hmm. um, tools that are sized for women's use can mm -hmm. be difficult to find. Um, I am not a petite woman, so I tend to fit the tools a little bit better than some other women farmers that um, that I know struggle with these things. Mm -hmm. So that's just the, the logistical and physicality um, aspects of farming that can be challenging for women because it's not traditionally a woman's field. Um, there are opportunities for women in farming with grant opportunities specifically that allocate funds that um, are earmarked for for folks who are getting into farming that aren't part of um, well-represented demographics. So that's an advantage. That's an advantage. Mm -hmm. There are grants for women? There are grants. Sometimes there are grants for women, and a lot of times during um, during the grant application process, there are um, earmarks for women farmers, for black farmers, for indigenous farmers, um, just underrepresented groups mm -hmm. in the agricultural field. So that's an advantage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you haven't felt much a, a disadvantage as far as being a woman in the agri agriculture. Maybe is it because you're an urban farmer and it not could rural? Be. Right. It could be. Um, I think that there there are some disadvantages as a woman farmer, I'm hitting the five-year mark, mm -hmm. so I'm learning to work my way around those more now than I was in the beginning. There are, um, I think there are a lot of folks that are ready to step in and assume that you can't do something. Mm -hmm. um, so it takes a bit of stubbornness and, uh, and willfulness to continue to persist when it feels like folks are maybe not believing in you as much as they would if you were not a woman. But you obviously believe in yourself. Absolutely. To have stepped into this and, and created your own business. Yes, yes. I was raised with sisters, and I never felt like there was any sort of um, impediment to achieving what I wanted to. Right. I've, I have four sisters. <laughs> I understand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're all pretty tough. Yep, <laughs> yep. I, um, tell us about your name, Foraged and Sewn. Tell us, I know it obviously means something, so it's a strong um, foraged is number one in your, in your name. So tell us a little bit about this. Sure. We, the farm followed wild edible consultation. I started to become engaged in the local foods um, community here in Columbus as a wild foods walk leader or a wild edibles consultant. Um, and because folks were beginning to know me that way, it made sense for that to, to be part of the name of the farm. Mm -hmm. um, and because we, we do have that dual focus, I, I don't know that we've discussed much about the foraging part yet, but um, we do have the dual focus of the flavors that occur in the wild and the flavors that occur um, under cultivation. 
So one thing that I like to follow the foraging portion with is always finding the highest flavorful cultivars of things that we do grow um, and cultivate. Mm. And um, and then also there's just always the appeal of finding flavors in the wild. And the whole point of the business is to share things with people. So I want to keep doing that. It's very exciting. I mean, I've, back at summer camp, we used to go, you know, foraging with our, you know, nature guide. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience to be able to pick something that is actually edible and not poisonous. You know, <laughs> sure. Like, I mean, I'm sure you're way beyond that. I have a question. You are certified organic, and it's not an easy process. So tell us why you decided to do that. Hmm. There is a business advantage to being certified organic, mm-hmm. especially when you have product on the shelves, like like we're moving towards with the value-added products with the teas and the salts. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a differentiating factor. And that's probably why, why I would say I chose to be certified organic. Um, but there was never really a question in my mind when, when developing the business whether or not I wanted to operate using organic principles. Um, the the process of certification is a it just involves a lot of paperwork um not money there is there is cost to it but mm-hmm. there's an organic cost share program um that covers i think it's 75% of the cost is a reimbursement wow so i think uh that the cost is not as much of a barrier so if you're looking at maybe $250 in fees when all is said and done um it's not that much to swallow as as someone who's trying to operate a profitable business. So I think the fees are not really the issue. Um, not really the issue, and really the paperwork shouldn't be the issue either because it is a it's good business practice to be able to track um, when things are planted, how they're being farmed, and um, and kind of like uh, where they're going to the end user. Can you tell folks um, what your website is so people can and where your store is? Do you have just an online store or or do you have a physical store? The store is online, um, but we have products in a few local shops in uh, Mount Vernon. We have product in Old Mr. Bailiwick's. In Lancaster, we have things in Keller Market House. And we do have some product here in Columbus in Hills Market downtown. And the website, which hosts the new online store, Mm -hmm. is foragedandsown.com. F-O-R-A-G-E-D-A-N-D-S-O-W-N.com. I know that uh, that can be a little bit of a tongue twister (laughs) since there are so many words that sound like foraged. And we will also make sure your website is on the Grassroot Ohio Facebook Mm -hmm. um, event page and also um, in the SoundCloud archive so that you can share um, widely. Great. Um, I am curious about the saffron. Um, you've recently gotten educated about how to grow saffron, and is that a new pro- uh, new crop here in Ohio? And just tell us about that. We are working on figuring out the best growing practices for the saffron still. We did have a two-year SARE grant for that project that allowed us to purchase some more of the saffron corms and to do some um, specific research light tasks to try to figure that that growing process out. 
It is um, surprisingly a crop that grows uh, as far ranging north as Ontario. We went to visit a saffron farm up in Ontario last fall. Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's um, it's a crop that can be grown in this region. Um, part of the challenges have to do with how wet the soil can get here, um, especially with uh, changing rainfall patterns. Mm. And uh, so we're we're working around that by gr- growing them in bins um, that contain potting soil. So they're not planted in the ground at this point. They're in soil, but not in ground. Tell us why. Why saffron? Um, well... If you can go more niche, I'm not sure how how far you can go. Uh, everything that that the farm has done so far has been very niche, and saffron fits right in with our production schedule because the the flowering time of saffron is in the fall, and it pretty much falls right after we're bringing in the last harvest of the last herbs of the season. So it, in terms of labor, it fits in really well, and um, obviously it fits in well in terms of products that pack a big flavor punch. Yeah, it's a uh, I don't I don't cook with it a lot because it's expensive. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's an intimidating ingredient for yeah. folks because of the expense. Um, but we package it in $4 packets, mm. and it's enough to serve uh, for servings of risotto. Well, I hope you bring it over, your products over to Bexley Natural Market, because that's where ah, I shop all ah, the time. Great. Yeah, definitely. Um, so are you expanding, and are you bringing, you brought on one um, farmer, and yes. are you thinking that you're going to be bringing on more? Um, it looks likely that the coming season will will see that um, increase in labor. We're finalizing the purchase of a three and a half acre parcel in West Jefferson. And we're going to be building a processing barn there to be able to handle the influx of herbs and continue to try to meet customer demand, which we have not done yet. And I just have one, I would like you to give our listeners one word of advice for new farmers, someone who's interested. Oh, wow. I would say, keep persisting and find the crop that you love to grow. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, and um, we'll see you. We'll keep in touch with you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. This is Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM Columbus, and streaming worldwide at WGRN.org. I'm Carolyn Harding, and for the second half of today's show, I'm talking with Katie Hawkins of Happy Toes Homestead here in Columbus as well. Katie grew up gardening and fell in love with cooking from scratch for friends and family in college. Her passion for making tasty, sustainable food inspired her to create Happy Toes Homestead, LLC, in 2017. Before digging into farming, she studied environmental studies at Denison University, and over the years, she worked on a variety of local and a few not-so-local small-scale farming operations and farmer's markets. Happy Toes Homestead LLC is her and her husband Jacob's home, and she believes in using farming practices that not only produce absolutely delicious vegetables, fruits, and herbs, and breathtakingly beautiful flowers, but that also help her local community enjoy healthy and green lifestyles. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. I know you're busy with a brand new baby, and congratulations to you. And thank goodness it's winter, so you have a bit of a break, right? Right, yeah. Do you actually hibernate in the winter? Uh, uh, Do farmers hibernate? (laughs) Um, A little bit, I'd say. um, But 
this is probably the last year that we're really going to be hibernating um, because we got a high tunnel um, this year that is large enough that we can do um, probably some year-round production. But this year we opted not to, to experiment with that because we knew we'd be having a baby. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole new big transition right there. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of time. It's going to be a big shift this year. But tell us, what is, what is a high tunnel? You just mentioned that. Uh, yeah, it's it's basically um, a soft-sided greenhouse. Ours is not heated. Um, we just It's passively heated by the sun and um, through venting. Um, so it just gives us a little bit of, a, of an extension to our growing season. So you can grow, what do you grow in the, in the high tunnel through the winter? Uh, it would be um, some of the cold-hardy vegetables like um, kale or, you know, some of the Asian greens, um, spinach, things like that. So tell us a bit about why you started Happy Toes Homestead. You started it um, on your own before you were married, or did you and your husband start it together? Well, we were married um, at the time, but it's my little adventure, as he would be the first to tell you. Ah. (laughs) Um, He only gets roped into certain projects if if I ask him very nicely, (laughs) but um, for the most part, it's, it's it's my your farm. farming operation. It's your um, farm. Yeah, and um, I actually was doing a lot of gardening just for fun, and um, I wound up getting connected with a local chef at our favorite restaurant at the time, and he had mentioned that um, he was looking for some local herbs and whatnot, um, and so I ended up supplying him with those just from my garden, and he said that, you know, in the next year if there was you know, other produce that I wanted to, to grow that he would be interested in, in using those as well. And it was just such a cool thing to be able to do that I just started expanding the backyard garden a bit. And, um, and then it just kind of grew from there. We wound up, uh, my husband was very supportive of, of just trying out new things and, and one thing led to another, and we got a two-acre property. <laughs> so, oh. um, so you moved into a larger space for the gardening. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, we knew we knew in the long, long run that we were going to want more land, um, but this just kind of came on the market unexpectedly, and we were lucky enough to be able to grab it. So most of your production, farming production, is actually in the city of Columbus, or do you have plots outside of Columbus as Kate Hodges does? Um, all of my production actually happens on my property that's in Columbus. Okay. So, and what yeah. do you actually, what's the bulk of your produce? Oh, I do try to blend it up quite a bit. But, um, this year, uh, we had a lot of tomatoes this year. Um, that was probably probably the bulk, but, but honestly, I, I try to be a pretty diverse operation, especially since I do um, community-supported agriculture in addition to farmers markets. So I need to be supplying a bag of a variety of produce each week to to specific clients. Oh, so people could sign up to your what is it CSI or something like that? What is it? CSA? CSA, and um, 
And um, what what is the website for your for your um, farm? Uh, it's happytoeshomestead.com. Um, happytoeshomestead.com. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure it's on this Facebook yeah. page of Grassroot Ohio as well. Great. So Thank I you. hear another, in addition to just having a baby in that transition, you are also transitioning to become a certified organic farm. Yep. Is that correct? Correct. So mm-hmm. where are you in the process? So we're just um, are wrapping up the third year transition. So it's a three-year transition if you can't get the um, previous landowner to sign a statement saying they didn't spray anything on the property, mm-hmm. and in our case, this was an estate situation, so we couldn't um, we couldn't ask the previous owners anything. So, um, so we just treated the land as if it had been sprayed with chemicals, even though we didn't think it did. It was just grass before mm-hmm. we got it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we've we've been going through. We we started that immediately upon moving onto the property, and so as of May 2020, um, once we get all the paperwork filed and pass our inspection, uh, we should be certified organic. Excellent. May the 2020 when 2020. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's coming up. May 2020. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> now, where where do people like you go to get certified? Who helps you out? So there's a variety of certifiers out there. There's actually over 50 of them um, that are pretty well established these days. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, in Ohio, we're lucky to have um, the um, OFA, the Ohio Ecological Food and Farm Association, um, right here in Columbus. So they're an excellent resource. Um, even if you don't plan on getting certified by them, you can call and ask some questions, and they can kind of provide some guidance and resources. Um, but there are several others that certify in this area, so farmers have a couple of different options um, to choose from if they prefer how one certifier works over a different one, like, for example, different types of forms and paperwork. So. Well, you know, when I go to farmers markets, um, you know, folks that are certified usually, you know, um, you know, advertise it. I like I like to buy it organic, but a lot of the farmers are like they say they don't use chemicals or you know mm-hmm. hormones. I'm not that's what the meats. But um, and I was just talking with um, Kate Hodge, and she said that the financial part is not that bad. It's um, I'm so I'm wondering why people don't do it because. It's kind of like it's it makes people like me more confident that there's no, you know, pesticides, no um, glyphosate, that kind of thing on it. Mm-hmm. Why did mm-hmm. you decide to do it? Uh, for me, um, I actually I, I work in certification as part of it as my part time day job. So oh. it was kind of a, of a no brainer for me just because I'm so familiar with the system. Um, but. It also, um, I, I like organic certification because it is a faster way to market my product. Mm-hmm. It, I don't, it doesn't require any explanation, really. You know, people see the certified organic symbol and they know that there are a set of standards that apply to that certification. People Whereas like me. If I, say, if I say no chemicals, I have to go and, and have a conversation um, more often with people 
and if you're at a busy farmer's market, that may mean that you miss out on some customers because you're explaining your practices over and over again, which while I'm happy to explain my practices... You're, um, you're there to sell your product. That's the essence. Yeah. <laughs> where where are your markets? Where do you sell your um your um tomatoes and your herbs? Where do you sell? Uh well, it's we've varied it. Um last year we sold at the North Market Farmers Market and a little bit at the Clintonville Farmers Market. Um hoping to get into the Clintonville Farmers Market more often next year. Um but it's Every year it can it can change just depending on where we get accepted and what opportunities come forward for us. But we also, um, you know, like I said, we do do the CSA, which is an on-farm pickup situation, and sometimes we'll arrange for personal order pickups and whatnot there as well. And we're right here in the city. And um, how have people, how have you found being a woman in, in a, um, used to be a primarily male-dominated um, field, how has it been for you as a woman being a farmer? Well, you know, the, I feel like the urban farming um, movement here in Columbus is actually very um, woman-centric. I have been very fortunate in that um, the area that I live in has you know it has Kate and um, and it has um, like Fresh Town Farm, which is just right around the corner from me, and that's women um, led as well. So I I have not really felt like um, a minority in any way with with farming in Columbus. So you've been um, welcomed in, in that respect. Yeah, it's it's been like very much. I've had. Um, many different women to to kind of look up to and even even um across the united states like i i learned um a lot of my core farming principles out in washington state and last year i went back out there just to revisit a bunch of different farms and and see what kind of practices are going on there and um encountered several different women who are farming and you know, they have their babies or small children, and they have made that a real family operation where they have their kids on their backs or, you know, they're running along their sides and, and helping out with whatever they can. And, you know, so it's it's, it's really it's um, woman friendly. It can be yeah, very woman it's, friendly. It's really great to see that. Yeah, to see that, that they can shape it into what they what they want their lifestyle to be. Um, and statistics yeah. are showing that um, women are entering this mar- this field, and and um, often the farms are smaller and more niche dri- um, niche driven, but um, mm-hmm. it's impacting their communities in a very positive way. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think you know women, um, especially mothers, are you know we're very focused on what we're feeding our families, yeah. and you know it's. If we can't find what we will want in our community, we turn to our own backyards and start growing from there. When I started this farm, I was living in Clintonville with a teeny tiny backyard. I had, you know, eight four by four raised beds, and and, and I was able to produce 
tons of stuff for myself. Yeah, and now I have two acres. And, and, and a baby. And of other family. And happy yeah. Toes Homestead. Hey, thank you so much, yeah. Katie, for your time. Really good luck for this new transition for you. And we will keep in touch with you. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to give a shout-out to Emily Peck. She's the founder of Frayed Not Farm, 30 miles east of downtown Cleveland. Emily grows over 50 varietals of annual and perennial flowers, many of which are heirloom seeds on less than an acre. Using hand-scale and regenerative farming practices, the farm has transformed from mowed grass and heavy clay soil to a thriving, ecological, diverse ecosystem. I wanted to give a, just a shout-out for her. It's Frayed, F-R-A-Y-E-D, not K-N-O-T, farm, F-A-R-M dot com. She reached out to me, and we had a, a full schedule tonight, but I just wanted to give her a little um, shout-out. All right, thanks so much. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back. 